You are listening to KU Radio's only podcast, OU Radio. It's with tremendous pleasure I bring in OU Radio's new co-host, Rebecca. You can tune in to OU Radio Tuesdays from 5 to 8 p.m. at 801-585-3449. You're listening to All Ute Radio. Welcome to Ola Ute Radio. Hello, how are you? Good. This is Rebecca with me. Sasha Bloom. Sasha Bloom. I'm good. I'm glad. It's good to see you. I know. It's been a long weekend. I like your pedicure. Very attractive. For Valentine's Day. I got all <laughs> done up. <laughs> did you? I did. A little. Mr. Mitch uh, provide you a beautiful evening or did he fail fantastically? It was good. I like that. Uh, started off, I just went to work and school like normal. Mm-hmm. But he had flowers delivered, but they didn't get there when they were supposed to. So I <laughs> left work to go get my nails done. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you left already. Well, I haven't heard from you. Did you, did you get anything? And I was like, no. Oh, great. So it was a good thought. We went back later after dinner to my office and got them because they were going to be dead by the long weekend anyway. So I brought them home. Roses or carnations? Roses with orchids. Ooh, what so color orchids? White orchids. Like orchids. My favorite. So that was good. Surprised me with unlimited yoga memberships together for oh, my Valentine's Both of you going. Yeah, so we went to a class at, that evening before dinner. So he's a super nerd, right? He's a computer geek? He is a computer geek at heart. He's a programmer. Can he touch his toes? Can he stretch? He's getting better. So when we first started dating, there was no hope. But over the month. <laughs> He's been doing a little more stretching. Yoga went well. We weren't awful, but we were definitely new. <laughs> is he wearing shorts or is he wearing leotards? Shorts. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so heavy. Those hot yoga studios, they yes. keep them so hot. Like, they have these heat vents just blowing on you the entire time. Like, you're sweating just laying there. And it gets so sweaty that, like, I wouldn't even blame him for walking in a Speedo. I would... You want to wear as little clothing as possible. I hear it's very gaseous there, as in there's a lot of farting going on. Well, the first class I heard one, yeah. but since then, nothing. <laughs> so, Kind of know. a pervy place, isn't it? Uh, yoga the, studios? I've, I mean, I've been to like one yoga class, but I've, especially on campus, I've seen them, and they're kind of pervy. Uh, he got us memberships to Salt Lake Power Yoga that's right downtown, and it's actually pretty legit everyone mm-hmm. there like 
is really into their own workout. You never feel like people are just like staring at you. The instructors are really professional and really good with what they do. I've liked it. I haven't felt creeped out by anyone yet. So. Have you ever done nude yoga? I know oh that's gosh, it's no. kind of a popular fad going on. I know they have a couple I in Salt Lake. I know that was a popular fad. I thought about it the other day <laughs> because I was so sweaty that I was like, does anyone ever just do this naked? <laughs> and Mitch was like, no one wants to see that. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to that either. <laughs> but no, I've never done it. I don't think I would. You're like stretched in all <laughs> kinds of, I don't even look at myself like that. <laughs> You're not looking your best, dripping sweat, I'll tell you that much. It's not as sexy as people think. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, but I it was a good weekend. I know there was this girl that used to be into me for a while until I kind of made her go away. She was one of those girls that was, like, never sober but always told you about how she just got sober. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just a complete liar, like habitual liar lied about everything didn't even need to lie about stuff but just lied gosh i know some of those and she was trying to get me to do yoga and i was like i'm not doing yoga (laughs) oh no see years ago i would have never imagined mitch would actually go to yoga but in the last year or so we've gotten a little more into like meditation and relaxation techniques and so yoga was the next step i feel sorry for you mitch I feel he's doing it for me. <laughs> you need to clean out her purse, sir. I've had to, I've had to drag him, though. The first one, he, we were all excited and went for Valentine's Day, but it was grueling. Like, it was so hard and so sweaty, and you felt like you were going to pass out. So then on Sunday, we went to another, and he was, like, not wanting to mm-hmm. go. So I hear yoga is good for your tendons and ligaments. Does your like body it. feel good? good like a couple days afterwards yeah the first we went friday and then sunday monday and i went alone today but the first one was just really hard because we were new to it and our bodies weren't used to it i don't think because i was pretty sore saturday Mm -hmm. and sunday and then we went to one on sunday that was less like power yoga and for like working out and more like stretching and meditation so that helped but since then like yesterday and today i don't feel nearly as sore for as long but i feel like my body doesn't feel as achy either in general so i like it a lot stretching is really important yeah like i remember when i used to play collegiate sports i was a great athlete and i was a very physical player but once i started stretching like really a half hour of stretching before yeah. i would do an even run and then st- stretch afterwards to you know bring your heart rate down the the strength that your body builds just from the being flexitive flexible (laughs) flexitive let's just make that a word (laughs) i uh used to i mean we used to have to stretch a lot for dance and cheer in high school but after that i just kind of never did and so the last couple years i focused more on like weightlifting and getting muscle and that makes you i mean even with stretching you have to stretch extra to compensate for building muscle because you just get so tight and like you just lose all that range. And so going to yoga now after doing a pretty solid year and a half of strength training with very little stretching mm-hmm. is like, oh, you lose your flexibility fast. So do they put you on a diet when you get into yoga? Do you have to uh, juice green leaves? And oh, no. Just classes. They like have a bunch all day. You can go whenever if you get the unlimited membership. And they're always packed, like, at 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock. There, though some that we've been to have been packed. Today I went to one at 4, which is when everyone's still at work. And so there was only, like, 12 of us in there compared to, like, usually 
upwards of 20 or 30, I think they accommodate in that room. So yeah. it was pretty empty during like the weekday afternoons, but the weekends were busy. Very sweaty. <laughs> it's gross. Like I have to zone it out because you're supposed to be taking these deep meditative like breaths and you don't want to breathe everyone's sweat. And so you're like, <laughs> and it's like hot like a sauna. <laughs> but once you get past that, it's not. Is it a very liberal scene or? Um, I would, I would assume so. And from like, I would on first. Impressions. Yeah, I would think so, but I don't really know. It's just like straight yoga. You walk in, set up your mat, very little like talking. They go right into it, sometimes with music, sometimes without, and then you leave. And yoga is a religious experience. Like there's a comes from religiosity yeah. in India, correct? Yeah. I think here, it seems like they're especially careful to like not tone down the spiritual aspect of it, but kind of be careful, especially with such a heavy like LDS community mm -hmm. that they might not be as like, I noticed some teachers at the very end before you do like the namaste and you close it with ohms. But like some of the instructors will oh tell boy. you, <laughs> will tell you to bring your like your thumb to your third eye and some will just say like your forehead center. And so I think they like, there are some teachers that are definitely like way more spiritual with it and some that are just a little more this is an exercise and you're the leader is a yogi is that what they call him a yogi a yogi yep hey boo boo, <laughs> boo, -boo. <laughs> I know, right? yeah it'd be great if you had a 375 pound man like instructing you how to do yoga I know. <laughs> it's good i like it well that was very kind of mitch do you take you out to dinner and do all yeah, that stuff? Afterward, I was kind of a brat because I I did my hair in the morning. Yeah. Not knowing we were going to hot yoga before <laughs> dinner. So by the time I'm out, like it is not straight anymore. It is like soaking wet up by my head and frizzy. So I had to like shower and blow dry and redo like an entire two hour hair process oh, before he dinner. Just must have had to wait a while. Well, I just <laughs> hurried it up and kind of did like the the, the short version, mm -hmm. and we didn't go to like a. We just went and got sushi. Nice. Didn't have to go somewhere like was super it, long reservations. Or was anything. it packed? Were mm -mm. the police out in full enforcement? <laughs> no, <laughs> none of that. Looking for drunk lovers. Drunk lovers. <laughs> but it was fun. That's good. Did so you do anything romantic? No. <laughs> no. I didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. No. You just enjoyed your company? Yes. <laughs> I don't... What day was... Friday. Oh, I had my son. Huh. Yeah. Did you get him like a chocolate box and a heart? No. <laughs> I I got I took him out to ice cream, though. Aw. Well, we, I tried to take him out to ice cream. We couldn't find any ice cream places, so I took him to 7-Eleven. And he got... That's good enough. Yeah, Maverick. They have good frozen <laughs> yogurt. Huh. Maverick. I almost thought about doing the old Wendy's thing <gasps> get him a little frosty i love frosties <laughs> seriously even a mcflurry hits the spot i like it we had a mcflurry <laughs> after yoga yesterday mitch was like i think we should we should treat ourselves we did really good and i was like no so you burn 800 calories and right put now. 300 right back yeah <laughs> he, like he's the kind that can stay skinny no matter what and sure. i was like i can't do that crap okay <laughs> some of us have to watch it I'm still looking for you to bring in pictures of Fat Becca. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm going to find out on the break. I was looking last time. 
You do that, and I'll bring in pictures of Skinny Sasha. Skinny Sasha, Fat <laughs> Becca. Yeah. Fat Becca's pretty good. That's an anime, anime right there. I look way more Hispanic. Not to be racist. Not that chubby. I'm not connecting that. <laughs> but my face, rounder, look makes me look very much Latina. Very much so. <laughs> we got an email. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not very comfortable about this. Would you like me to read it to you? Yeah. Okay. Good old, from good old Eric. <laughs> Hello, old Ute Radio. In the past, you have said you will play song requests. I was hoping you could play this song, and he sent me a link. Thanks, Eric. P.S. BYU sucks. Woo! <laughs> so, Does that mean we have a listener? That means we have a listener. We have one at least. So I go in to this YouTube page, and this is what I pull up. I like to play. Eric? We love you. What are you we doing don't to me, love bud? love your music choices. <laughs> I'm not saying that this is personal because we like No, you. this is personal. This is pretty personal. <laughs> this is awful. So this is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Yuck. This is bad. This is good, bad. I'm jamming. This is a multi-platinum single and album. What? For real? Yeah. This is a big boy song. Is that like a... What is that instrument at the beginning? A fake drum? <laughs> like that twangy thing at the beginning? It's not a didgeridoo. Yeah. <laughs> didgeridoo. So I don't understand what Eric is doing to me here. Should we play this to break for him, or should I turn this off and throw stuff? We'll let we'll let you have this, Eric, for your loyalty, dedication. We're gonna let you listen to this and go to some commercials, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, is this a sound lounge? No, this is Patrick. Hello, is this a sound lounge? No, this is Patrick. Whoa, 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 Patrick. Maybe you should let us answer the phone from now on. I'm MC Loud. And I'm Lil Brain. Tune in to the Sound Lounge on Tuesdays from 4 to 6. Only on KU Internet Radio. What's up, boys? This is Zach Arthur from New School. You're listening to OU Radio. Eating of the nation. Aishas. A bum jar of herb they buy me bedside. Welcome back to All Ute Radio on KU Internet Radio. Hi. 
How's it going? I'm doing great. I'm so trying to bring wrestling to old Ute Radio. Some entertaining and exciting music going on. You don't like this? I like it. It's good, it right? Intense. I feel like I have to like live up to it by speaking about something exciting. <laughs> so this wrestling team that is this is their song. They're called the Real Americans. And they wear these jackets that say "Don't tread on me," you know. And they Don't got this. They got me. the snake and the yellow emblem. And their manager goes by Zeb Coulter, and he's like the most racist guy in the world. <laughs> like he tells all the Mexicans to crawl back over their border. Oh my <laughs> and he does this like whole illegal alien rant every time he comes in. It's oh, it's priceless. Gotta love racism. Gotta love Vinny McMahon. <laughs> Oh, guys. Welcome to All Ute Radio. Uh, if you haven't liked KU Radio yet on Facebook or Twitter, you should go to facebook.com slash KU Radio or follow us on Twitter at K underscore U-T-E. All Ute Radio also has a page at facebook.com slash All Ute Radio. That's all without a D. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> we give free content 24 hours a day. Students get paid a little bit, but very poorly for the amount of... Not poorly, but it's not... It's just part of the budget, and it, but we really need your support. I'm about to read an article here that has, is it's a really sad article for me personally. I think once Becca hears it, it's bad for the communication program in the state of Utah. Why don't we just get to it right now? This is uh, in the Salt Lake Tribune. The college beat reporter Lindsay Whitehurst wrote about this, and here's her headers. Wow. <laughs> Print cuts possible as revenue drops at University of Utah Chronicle student publications to host a meeting on the future. The University of Utah student newspaper may publish a print edition on fewer days and make other changes to cope with sharp decline in revenue. The Student Media Council, which oversees the Daily Utah Chronicle, is exploring how to make more money and draw more readers in an age of media upheaval. Our circulation has been dropping for years as our budget ever since 2007, said Editor-in-Chief Emily Andrews who's concerned some of the ideas on the table could eviscerate the paper. I like the word eviscerate. I hope it does not turn into something that will so radically alter the paper, she said, and diminish the educational value for writers and the reporters and the editors, something that causes the Chronicle to lose the independence we fight really hard to project. Here's some numbers. Something, though, will have to change quickly, said Jake Sorensen, director of student media, Advertising revenue has plunged from 700000 in 2007 to $370,000 this year, and website readership has been stagnant. It's really frightening, he said. I don't think we can go through another fiscal year doing the same thing we've been doing. It makes me sad. That is rough. You're a young person here. It doesn't seem like many of the students in your generation participate with things. Is that correct? Yeah. These hipsters. I would say so. Is it not hipster enough about to read the newspaper? I, I, I don't like this. I mean, the Utah Chronicle has been a paper for a very long time. And some of there's journalists all over the country that have written for the Chronicle. There are some very wealthy and established people who got their, their chops, as they say, writing for the Chronicle. So here's something on the 21st, which is Friday. On Friday, February 21st, the Student Media Council will oversee who oversees both the Chronicle and the student internet radio station, KU, 
will hold an open meeting modeled after the entrepreneurial TV show Shark Tank, hoping to gather new ideas. If you were going to build a modern media organization on campus, what would it look like, Sorensen said. Just pretend we could start from scratch. Along with more social media promotions and breaking news outlines, he suggested working with KU to produce multimedia stories, integrating more video elements, and promoting big events across platforms. And you can also listen to Old Ute Radio. Oh, here yeah. On KU Internet. Breaking down barriers for KU Internet Radio. We sure are. So on Friday. What time is that? God, it's, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's. Go ahead. It's either at 9 or 11. It is at 9. It's at 9? Yeah, and it's in the communication building. uh, What do they call it? Linko? Linko, yeah. The bottom floor, it's like 121 or something like that. Got it. I'm not saying it, but everyone should go. I'm going to go. I don't don't have anything to pitch them with, but if it breaks down. Can you go late, like after... Everyone shows classes. up late on this campus. I know. <laughs> but is it, is it supposed to go for a while? Is it something where people can come in after their 1135 late or I, no? I've noticed that meetings can last for an hour, yeah. you know. But I read that over the weekend and I was... It's disheartening. Okay, so it's in the Linko Room 1100, February 21st. Go. Yeah. Bring a pitch. If you have a revolutionary I- idea on how to fix social media, you'll probably become a millionaire after that meeting. Do you have an idea? Are you pitching anything? Or can we just go in like... I'm going to go and listen. Put in our two cents. I, I've, I've, I've already spoken to Mr. Sorensen privately. Mm-hmm. I had a private meeting with him because I've been here and I've done really well in the communication program and people don't mind listening to my voice. But it's really not about me. It's about the future of... KU and the Chronicle, and it's about the kids that are freshmen and sophomores. I want them to bring their voice because, you know, they're essentially throwing me out the door already. Yeah, I think they do need to gear up somehow and really focus on the new freshmen this next year. Mm -hmm. Really focus in making these communications and media outlets attractive to them as an extracurricular option, and then holding them. I mean, I can think of four students who have radio jobs in Salt Lake City from KU Radio. Yeah. Mira being the most recent from two semesters ago. She's making probably good coin. I know she yeah. interviewed Ludacris. She's got her own morning hip-hop show. And she learned her, learned it from here. Yeah. I, I you know I told uh, Sorensen this. I want to see the Kyle Gunthers. I want to see the Miras. I want to see Spencer Checkets come and teach us. Yeah. Give us an hour. Come you know, let's do a meeting. You know, I know that Will Hatton's talked about bringing, you know, the kids that do really well at KU and have them sister up with, uh, was it KU, I don't know, Radio West or something yeah. like that, and join sister programs. Those are great. But we can have seven of the best radio shows in the state of Utah. But if we have no one listening, if, like, people that listen to old Ute Radio, if they don't go to iTunes and download from there, it's not going to matter. Yeah. If we're going to have apps made from UCLA to allow our listeners to listen to us when they drive or go on runs or they're camping, it has to be good. Mm-hmm. It can't be cutting out all the time. It, it can't be taking an hour to download our show because that's a complaint I get from our uh Radio at gmail.com. Why does it take me 50 minutes to download your show? It's not like I'm downloading a gigabyte. Yeah. I don't know. 
but I, I'm not I'm not necessarily I don't have a concern that students aren't working hard enough. I know that the kids at the Chronicle work very hard, and usually the kids that write for the Chronicle take very hard classes. And I think that's the same with KU. We have a mm -hmm. lot of computer science kids. We have a lot of the EA, 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 I'm going to make video games the rest of my life kids do stuff here. Yeah. You know, we have you, who's a double major. Hola. So that doesn't worry me. How do we make these better? How do we get student people outside of the University of Utah to listen? I don't think we can. Because I've been told that, you know, that when I was working at this one place, I said, hey, you should listen to our radio show. He goes, what's it called? And I go, oh, you radio, KU radio. He goes, oh, I don't support anything that the Utes do. Because he's a BYU fan. <sighs> you know, we have KU in the dorms. Mm -hmm. We have the Chronicle all over the campus. I'm not sure that it's necessary and appropriate for the University of Utah to be printing papers anymore. I don't either. That's what's something I was thinking about when we were reading that and talking about it because I know I've read how many papers they publish mm -hmm. every day or every other day or what, something like that. And then the weekend magazine that they do. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think it makes sense to be printing that many anymore. Yeah, I'll pull up some numbers here in a second if you want to talk for a minute. I think, I, don't, I just think people, especially the coming classes and, you know, class groups don't really, I mean, the, the days of valuing radio, I think, are kind of gone. I totally disagree. Well, no, I think I value radio, but like an 18-year-old coming up to the U doesn't care about radio. They have an aux cable in their car. They don't even know a single radio offhand. I know so many kids who couldn't tell you a local station off the top of their head because they have satellite and they have an aux cable and they can play their iPod. Mm -hmm. So if they reset all of their stations, they'd have no idea what to go to. And podcasting is very popular, but it's also very unprofessional and it's uh, full of vulgarity. Yeah. Something that KU Radio can't do. I know that the Chronicle used to be uncensored back when I was first a student, and it was a disaster. There were F-bombs and S-words in every sentence. And, I mean, you can go back into the Marriott Library archives and read about this. But what I have been proud on the last two years I've been back is there haven't been scandals from either KU or the Chronicle. I feel like it's and pretty professional. We, yeah, we yeah. have a good group of students, and we have good leadership. So here, back to the Whitehurst article... Along with ad revenue, the paper is funded by a $6.18 fee charged to you to quit putting a period after you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I already emailed, Twittered you about that. Oh, it's just something we like to do. No. You don't do it. You are representing the University of Utah. No commas, no periods after the U. Let's start there. <laughs> that funds the paper and radio station and makes up about 53% of the budget. Cuts have been made this year to deal with the revenue shortfall, including slicing the number of papers printed by about 20% to 8,000 copies Monday through Thursday and 6,000 on Friday. That's a lot of pieces of paper. That's a lot of trees. Yeah. I think we could spend that money and build apps. I mean, great apps, not just, you know, because the AP app is phenomenal. The Tribune app, I don't have that, but I know that their online content is good. The New York Times app is good. It's not something we can't do. I don't think in this world that we need 8,000 copies of paper. Yeah, especially because I, I've read, I mean, I read a lot of the Chronicle articles, but I look on the app and mm -hmm. I look online before I ever search the campus to grab an actual paper. Mm -hmm. And so they have to be wasting, I mean, 
really printing that many and not the readership, I doubt it's, I don't know. Here's an important quote from, I think it's Emily. Whitehurst didn't attribute the quote properly. I just think that would be catastrophic, she said, adding it would undermine staff morale as well as the paper's presence and authority and deepening the drop in print advertising revenue. She makes a fair point. Mm -hmm. These kids... I mean, it's almost impossible to become a print journalist these days because jobs just get cut over and over again. But I bet it would drop the students' morale if they dropped numbers. Yeah. Print Avenue, I mean, you can make up the Print Avenue by having apps, by getting revenue to your website. But, you know, at the beginning of the article, they said that they're having a hard, the readership is stagnant. Why is it stagnant? Why is news stagnant? Are people afraid of the world, about the violence and the crime? I feel like I honestly, as a 22-year-old kid on this campus, I really feel like, I mean, I sit on Facebook and I get tons of links to news articles. People aren't afraid to, like, share the dark, horrible things going on in the world. I just feel like the articles I read are very, like, catchy and, like, I feel like the shorter attention span and, like, less um they just don't want to sit and read news if it's not going to have some kind of like gimmick almost like the title like really makes you if you even like scroll through facebook and look at the titles of articles that get shared virally they all seem like mind-blowing like you need to read this and i don't feel like people care too much about what they perceive to be a boring school newspaper so they the most important thing in any type of journalism is your headline yeah. and your lead. They say that most people don't read more than eight or nine sentences in an article, and it's a it's the talent of a journalist to get them to read to the bottom, yeah. especially when you read on computers because in this country you read left to right and you go from the top to bottom. Mm-hmm. When you read on a, on a computer screen, you actually aren't reading from top to bottom. You're reading almost in a pyramid yeah. zigzag line. So your eyes are scanning to different points. Mm-hmm. I don't like the, the idea of if it bleeds, it leads. I hated working in news when the first three stories are all about violence. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about the girl that died on the freeway. I don't want to hear about the heroin overdose. I want to hear about why. Why are there still? Why are people still dying on the road? Why are people still doing heroin? Yeah. And the journalism, the money's to use her word, eviscerated so much that there's not there's not enough journalists out there that can do a story to teach you, to bring you up to what the causation of why things are happening. So it's a double-edged sword by people not wanting to spend the money on journalists. Um, I think the recession had a big part to do with it where people were like, oh, I'm not going to advertise anymore. Well, that's nonsense because they're going to pay $4 million for 30 seconds on, you know, the, the Super Bowl. Yeah. As for the Chronicle and KU Internet Radio, what are we going to do? guess we'll find out Friday. Work harder. The Shark Tank. Work harder. Let's start using social media. I think I think even like a blog blog, like not just a web page, mm-hmm. but like a blog type s- like format. Mm-hmm. They're so big right now. Everyone. I mean, there are people who but like... But see, that's not going to teach you journalism in a newspaper, yeah. right? There's a real format to it, and it takes a long time. One thing I have always brought up in KU meetings is if Psycho Radio posts on Twitter that he's about to have a show, 
every DJ should be retweeting that. Mm-hmm. And because if we, what do we have, 30 or 40 DJs? If everyone retweeted one of their fellow co-host tweets, you're almost talking about starting to get a viral idea going. Yeah. But if you only have three or four kids at KU that care about Twitter or that use Twitter or the, and they don't get retweeted by anybody, what's their incentive to help them out? Yeah. These are things that I think at KU and with the Chronicle is we need to vast, we need to virally spread our content, which means if we have 70 kids involved with both of them, spend that five minutes a day and help them retweet the ideas. But, you know, those are simple things. So, but I hope, I hope that we can turn this around. I hope that, you know, I know that we're going to lose the print to the Chronicle at some point. Yeah. If you are big into libraries, they're not even um, keeping the paper copies anymore. Like you can go up and get binders of a hundred years of articles from the Chronicle. Recently, all their stuff they're saving is from online. Really? Yeah. So there's big changes going on with the newspaper. But don't lose your spirit. You guys are great. Yeah, you are. We love you. Yeah. We're going to take a little break. Why wouldn't we? Go to some ads. Yes. Uh, Maybe some music. We'll find out. And then we will be back shortly after the top of the 7 o'clock hour. And I think we're going to talk about this girl, Lexi Walker, who just blew up all over the weekend. She's a singer, and I'm very concerned about her. She seems like she's going to be another Britney Spears or one of these girls. Sasha's fatherly instinct is kicking in. Yes. So you guys better stay tuned for it. Thank you, people. Thank you for listening to All Ute Radio. We'll be right back. Attention KU listeners, this is breaking news. A new show has commandeered the airwaves and has been broadcasting live from the KU student radio station. This show has reggae, punk, and classic 80s funk, along with all the ramblings and commentary from a 20-something college kid. So you learn something new every show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the soothing tunes with a nice cup of coffee and listen in to Facts and Tracks with Brian Christensen every Thursday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. only on KUradio.org. From the Purple Mountains and the Valley of Smoke, this is All You Radio. This is Rebecca from All You Radio. Tune in to hear the show live every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Or catch the show on demand at KUradio.org. Hey listeners, we're back. Yes, we are. We sure are back with a lot of fun and exciting news for you. Especially if you love serial killers and Craigslist. And cults. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You guys? A Pennsylvania woman charged with her newlywed husband with killing a man they met through Craigslist admitted to the slaying in a jailhouse interview with a newspaper and said she has killed more than 20 other people across the country claims police said they are investigating in an interview with the daily item in sunbury 19 year old miranda barber said she wants to plead guilty to killing troy LaFerrara in november she also said in the interview she has killed at least 22 other people from alaska to north carolina in the last six years as part of her involvement in a satanic cult i feel it is time to get all of this out I don't care if people believe me. I just want to get it out, Barbara told the newspaper. She's tired of killing already at 19? Yeah, she burned out. That's what they say. They either 
burn out or they get caught. Uh, Dahmer would be so disappointed. Her husband <laughs> is 22. Uh, they have both sought psychiatric evaluations. <laughs> wow. So does that become more of a turn-on factor of using Craigslist and hoping to get a threesome is that you might be killed by a serial killer? <laughs> what? The victim? Wait a second. Miranda, a petite woman with long brown hair, told investigators she met the six foot two, 278-pound victim after he responded to her Craigslist ad offering companionship for money. Her husband told investigators they committed the crime because they wanted to kill someone together. The couple, <laughs> who were How married romantic. in North Carolina and moved to Pennsylvania about three weeks before the crime, told police Miranda Barber stabbed LaFerrara. I can't ever do his name. LaFerrara? LaFerrara in the front seat of her car while her husband held a cord around his neck. So Dexter. Barber said in the interview that she doesn't want to get out of jail and that she would kill again if released. She said she had no remorse and killed only bad people. <laughs> Barbara offered little detail on the murders she claimed to have participated in in Alaska, Texas, North Carolina, and California. She claimed she joined a satanic call in Alaska when she was 13 before moving to North Carolina. That's weird, right? Yeah. A little 13-year-old girl starting to kill people? Where does that come from? What call is this? <laughs> How do I join? <laughs> <laughs> she looks really cute and, like, normal. She's pretty. I wonder if there's nude photos of her on Craigslist in Boston. <laughs> is that where it is? Boston? No, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Sunbury. <gasps> Did you see? You probably didn't. I heard over the weekend, and it was the most best news. The LDS Church is building... next. They have a temple currently in under construction in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. They're building a 30-story City Creek-style apartments there for the public like not just for lds sure. people or anything <laughs> but they're building one right next to the temple there and i was like nice apartments in <laughs> philly for me <laughs> this year you still thinking I'll about going it. out there ah oh, yes every day have you been accepted yet i haven't applied i'm taking the year off so i'm applying this okay. fall because this past spring you went out to philadelphia i did or this last fall this last fall looked at some colleges Met with some departments, saw Hooked Philly's up with game, an athlete. Didn't hook up with him, yeah, but right. got his number. <laughs> Louis Garcia, I'm coming for you. Is uh, he still part of the Phillies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we did not hook up. We got his number when he got his autograph. It was mm -hmm. silly. Silliness. Mm -hmm. uh, but I posted it on my Facebook, the link. Um, about them building the apartments and wrote something about how excited I was. Mm -hmm. And I had people commenting, like, baffled that they were going to build, like, dormitories for only Mormon people. <laughs> and I was like, you guys, come on. <laughs> Read the article. They thought they were building, like, for Mormons only, right next to the temple, living quarters. <laughs> LDS only living community. It cracked me up. My grandpa went to college in Pennsylvania. Really? Temple. I want to go anywhere Temple there. I'm Why there? I'm hoping to... Uh, Penn State? <laughs> well, Sandusky I really University. like Penn State, <laughs> but the program I would want to get into is U of Pennsylvania. That's the best school in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. What's their big Ivy League school? Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah U of Penn. Yeah. And they have uh, the Ten Commandments as their logo, right? I don't know. Yeah, they have a bunch I of Hebrew script. That. Really? Yeah. Huh. 
But at least I hope to get out there again this summer, early fall, to catch some more baseball games if I can. Do you worry about a $50,000 a year bill going to an Ivy League school? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I sure do. But the awesome thing about the psychology programs, because I'm a dreamer (laughs) (laughs) and I'm very charming and persuasive. Yes. Uh. I looked at, when I was out there, a few Ivy Leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at U of Penn. I looked at Columbia. Just looked around. Brown. Did you go to Brown? And the thing about most of the psych programs out there, at least like Columbia, for instance. Columbia is a five-year track, so you can't do the master's, obviously. But um, they're doing a new thing in a lot of those schools, at least in the psychology programs, where everyone accepted gets a full ride scholarship but part of you can't take outside work and you work in the department whether in research labs or whatever they have you do so it's very selective now but the like the financial burden is no longer as great because they're handing out a lot of big scholarships as long as you work with them for no pay or for the scholarship as long as you work with them with for like a small stipend to cover your living expenses one of my buddies from the journalism program here at the u got accepted to the journalism program in syracuse we might have to reach out to him and see if he can do 10 minutes on radio and let us know what his experience is about going to big time east coast schools dj summers i hope you're doing well i miss you being here i miss you guy was a total jerk really fantastic writer and wannabe <laughs> MMA fight guy. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. The paradox was awesome. Oh, <laughs> Especially, man. like, when you'd be cutting weight and stuff. Like, his big, dumb bicep hands would be, like, eating, like, grapefruit and yogurt. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're disgusting. Get a steak in those hands. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, if I go to Pennsylvania, maybe I'll run into a Miranda Barber and her charming husband on Craigslist. Three sums with serial killers. You think that's hot? No, that is terrifying. <laughs> I want to interview them, and I want to, like, discuss their brains. But uh, Maybe it's naive of me, but I never thought that serial killers started so young. Isn't it usually a late 20s phenomenon? Yeah. They usually get to killing real people by then, but there are definitely, at least in all the books that I've read, signs in childhood. Are female seri- serial killers into killing animals, too, like killing rabbits and birds? Most of what I've read, I have specifically one of my best serial killer books is called female serial killers it's by peter vronsky and he also does like one called Wait, serial there's killers. more than one there are lots really of females i'll bring the i'll read i'll look through my book and get some key points maybe we'll have like a female serial killers hour is it next week so is the media sexist by because i only heard of male we'll see there are a lot of female serial killers that are very much a lot of them are described as being butch and kind of male-esque serial killers but the media seems to only focus on like the lipstick killers the ones that are very is that what they're called they are dubbed that by lipstick killers yeah they're not just lipstick and like black widows the ones that kill their husbands that kill that are close to them but get away with it can we call them praying mantises yep we sure can (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so those are the ones that get the most attention and those, I mean, that's definitely like 
a lot of the women that are serial killers are in that vein. But there are a lot that are just as... uh, Women are pretty confrontational. Oh, yeah. Like, I love when women flip me off on the road. Me and Mitch had that. And it's like, don't you realize I'm 200-pound grown man? The craziest, like, a week ago. One day, some lady, it was seriously craziness. Because I totally watch when we're driving. We didn't, we weren't even in her lane. We didn't cut her off. We didn't even get close to her. But she honks at us in the other lane. And as she drives by, shaking her head, furious, flipping us off out the window. And we're like, what just happened? Like, I don't know what just happened. We just pulled out of the garage like we weren't even in our lane. So that was weird. And then a couple days later, we were driving down 700 East. And it was when it was raining quite a bit. Um, (laughs) It was that Tuesday when the weather was pretty bad and I was running late to radio. Yes. Uh, But it was earlier in the day and we were driving and we needed to get over. And the car was a good amount behind us where we could kind of blinker and get over quick because we were behind a truck. So we blinker, we wait a second, we get over. And she just, she didn't even have to slow down. Lays on the horn, pulls up next to us at the stoplight, tells us to roll down the window and starts <laughs> yelling at Mitch. And Mitch is just like, you need to calm down. Like, let's be honest here. You didn't have to slow down. I did use my blinker. You're freaking out for no reason. Chill out. And she was livid. It was insanity. Yeah. The I only people who ever flip me off on the road are women. Sure. Ever. That's just part of this entitlement going on in the feminist movement, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay away from it for now because... Female serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> Love them. A lot of so them are very... It's like a lot of the ones you read about, especially in history, like the earliest female serial killers. I mean, a lot of people who were in positions of power and monarchies obviously did a lot of violent things. But some of the er- earliest serial killers that I've read about all... Uh, there was one, Elizabeth... Bathory is her name. She was like a queen of some country. She would she would have these younger like servant sure people <laughs> and she would drain she would kill them and drain them of blood in her bathtub and sometimes bathe in it. What's her last name? Bathory, B A T H O R Y. I th- I believe that's her name. Yeah. She's one of the earliest and a lot of the ones following a lot of the female serial killers are just women that had power or felt like they needed control and would then kill boyfriends and husbands and get away with it. But there are ones that like... She looks like Medusa. <laughs> there was one female serial killer who also was the type, like a lot like male serial killers, who would go around picking up like prostitutes or that or homeless people and killing them also. So very like a lot like a lot of male killers or husband wife duos are pretty big. Says so that uh, Bathory, is it Bathory? Bathory? I'm not really sure. Sh- I was B-A-T-H-O-R-Y. pretty sure it's, it's a softer O, so like Bathory. Bathory? With the accent on A. Says she often bit chunks of flesh oh, from yeah. her victims. So she was a cannibal. She was like, they looked at her like a vamp, like. I think a lot of the nicknames are. And it wasn't the penis that she'd bite off. It was actually other parts of their body. She would, like, just bite their necks, bite their... And, (laughs) like, (laughs) bathe in their blood sometimes, drink it. Drain them, though. Always drain them of blood. That's gross. 
But, and then there's just a lot of husband-wife duos. See, I've worked in hospitals, and once a body is opened up, it doesn't smell good. Blood in large volumes is one of the most disgusting smells in the world. And how could you bathe in it? How could serial killers? How could you drink it? If you're listening to Old Ute Radio, knock it off. You're weird. You're weird, and I don't like you. (laughs) Don't come get me, though. Yeah, don't kill us, because then we'll just get famous. (laughs) Yeah, then I'll just get awesome. They'll call me, like... Instead of Black Dahlia, like Brown Rebecca. The gorgeous radio couple at the University of Utah murdered in murdered. cold blood by serial in killers. cold blood. I don't want that to you be a You know what? Maybe this is too sad of news. But it made me mad and outraged. Did you, and talking about this made me think of it. Maybe this is not it's insensitive. But I'm going to tell you it anyway. Did you read the article? Um, I think it was today or yesterday, really recently. A dad beheaded in the sink his handicapped um, son who was like needed a feeding tube he was wheelchair bound I think it was must no I can't remember what he had but he was very handicapped his dad said that he was convinced recently that that wasn't his son it was a dummy and he had said before when the kid was like an infant that he wanted to put him out of his misery and so they got all these different, like, restraining orders. But apparently the mom, you know, violated them, let him stay with the son. He beheaded him and left the head in the front yard for the mom to see when she got home. And then they found the <sighs> child's body in a bag in the dumpster with his hands and feet in a different bag. How horrific. <laughs> Isn't that horrific? That's why I laugh, because it's disgusting. Ah, it just made me think of it, and I had to share how mad I I was. I freak out when my son coughs more than three times in a row. Yeah, (laughs) that's something, I mean, I'm not a parent, and so I have no idea, but someday, I mean, I just cannot fathom. So, that's extreme of bad parenting. (laughs) That is, like, as bad as you get. If we play this young girl from Utah, can we discuss her parents' parenting and the concerns I have here? Let's go to a quick break early so that we don't have to cut off this topic. Yes. We'll just play some promos quick, and then we'll be right back to talk about this girl. Okay. This is Namdi Asamoah. I play football for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what I do off the field with United Way might be more important. I'm a volunteer tutor and mentor. Why? Because over a million kids a year drop out of school, and that's not okay. It takes 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be me, or it could be you. Studies show that if we get to these kids earlier, their chances are better, and kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. So join me and United Way. Suit up and take the pledge. Become a volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor, because when a child succeeds, we all succeed. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Take the pledge at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football League. From the Purple Mountains and the Valley of Smoke, this is all you radio. 
This is Rebecca from All Ute Radio. Tune in to hear the show live every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Or catch the show on demand at KUteRadio.org. Every Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m., transmissions from the Satellite Heart, DJ Stevie B, bringing you some of the flyest techno, some of the dopest remixes, 2014, KU Radio, for soon, bye soon. Let It Go, Frozen, by Alex Boyce, African tribalized cover, featuring one-voiced children, sung by, uh, what's her name? Lexi Walker. I can't figure out if she's good. Like, the black guys are really good. She's definitely got a voice. How old is she? 11? Yeah. She's got an incredible voice for an 11-year-old. But... I mean, and I've watched a lot of those viral videos of, like, America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent or whatever, where they have some young kids with some incredible voices singing opera, singing really challenging songs. I would definitely say this girl's talented, and she's got, like, a beautiful voice. But as far as, like, like mind-blowing vocality. See, I was listening to just the instrumental with the African yeah. band, and they are phenomenal. They are really good hmm. and I think they also build her up a lot too in the piece she's good don't get me wrong I'm not saying Listen she's not to her sing this song so she's from Utah correct yeah and that whole video was filmed local. where the video was filmed in the ice castles um, exhibit up in Midway just hear Homer Simpson in my ear booing her. <laughs> See, I wouldn't say she she's an incredible singer. I wouldn't say she's necessarily like going to be the best vocalist in the world, but I think the appeal with like these 11 or even like 6-year-old girls who can sing really Mm-hmm. have like a wide range and sing like this is just like the potential where did the parents come involved in this is it good to to get their kids out this young in the world of media because I know that there's also 
get the money now because you don't know what if she dies? What if yeah. she gets sick? What, what if, if she gets polyps on her voice? very well when she hits puberty, you know? It doesn't sound like she will. I think as, a, as far as the parents go, I mean, if it's your kid's passion, it'd be hard to not let them have these opportunities. But I feel like your time and your, I mean, the consequences would be better. Your time would be better spent maybe getting into maybe some like very renowned music schools or with a music teacher as opposed to like becoming a viral YouTube star because those either go bad or they fade so quickly that no one cares in a year when she's you know in a couple of years when she's 17 and like a mediocre to good singer she doesn't have the 11 year old appeal but there's so much abuse that seems oh, yeah. to come from this I mean the Justin Bieber Britney Spears uh, Christina Aguilera I guess the Wahlbergs have done all right. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like you either succeed and it can be really bad or they don't succeed and it's still really bad because, I mean, an 11-year-old girl is at a pretty fragile state in development to have this kind of fame and attention. And then if she, you know, loses her charm or loses that little kid appeal, she no longer has, like, she's just another kid in choir trying to get into a music school, you know? See, my son had the opportunity to be a weather boy, do a weather segment for <sighs> ABC4. Yeah. And I signed him up for it, and we were going to go do it. And he goes, Dad, I can't do this. And I go, oh, no, you'll be great. You're, you know, you're very verbal. He's really smart. Yeah. Um, but he goes, no, I'll get bullied. He goes, if you stand up too much in schools, they bully you. Well, yeah. yeah so we didn't have him do it, but because when I was a kid, you got bullied, you just fought. You know, and it was fine. Like. There was no problems with fighting. But now in this world, you can't really do that. I feel like because of just, like, the scare of violence mm -hmm. in schools, it's almost lent a hand to bullying because kids can't just resolve their crap on the playground. Like, not that you should. I'm not saying I would want my kid to come home with a broken nose because he got punched. But because they almost can't even, like have con like even a verbal confrontation like you can't they're, they're so restricted in like what becomes like suspended behavior like you get kicked out of school for that for even things that seem sort of small i feel like that doesn't actually help some of the kids being bullied because they can't do anything and no one cares when they go to a teacher and if they go to a teacher they just get bullied some more <laughs> i don't know I don't know if I would ever want to encourage my son to become famous at an early age. Yeah. But it seems like that's kind of how a lot of people have done it forever with child stars and child acting. and. I just feel like it never turns out. I mean, it might turn out well financially, but I feel like it never turns out that great I have a for friend the kid. who's a child actor. Really? Uh, Luke Edwards. He uh, did The Wizard and one of those baseball movies, uh -huh. uh, Little Big League. He was on Roseanne for like four seasons. Uh, you can uh, follow him at Twitter at Prime Nipple. P-R-I-M-N-I-P-L-E. <laughs> Twitter handle. Yes. Luke Edwards. Kid's a millionaire. Yeah. Good looking kid. Some of the hottest women you've ever seen, like arm in arm with him. Studio, apartment in downtown Santa Monica. And it's all from being a child actor. And, you know, now he does independent movies and yeah. all this other stuff. But 
I, I remember him because we were roommates in high school, went boarding school, and he would just tell me these horror stories of, like, I never went to school. Like, he couldn't, I don't want to talk too much, but he struggled in a lot of academia because he'd get tutors, right? Yeah. It's like, how you get a tutor a kid sitting on a million dollars, right? And and weed and all that other yeah. stuff that happens. And it's a weird one. I just feel like, I don't know, I mean... If your kid wants to pursue something, I feel like it would be hard to say no if they get those opportunities and they succeed. But I wouldn't want my kids to be in the spotlight at such a young age. Would you be harder on them? Like, would, like if my son could sing like that, I think I'd make him do more chores. Like, <laughs> I feel like I just, I don't know. Like, what if you have Kobe Bryant as a son and, and he goes to the NBA at 17? That's just, how do you help him out? How do you teach? I know his dad was a professional athlete, but some of these kids become so talented. Like Sean White. Mm-hmm. He was in the Olympics as a little boy, basically. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if it's fun. It's like got to be, right? There's a lot of pros and cons on both sides, but it would definitely be fun for a while. <laughs> I wonder if I would have got stood up at prom in high school had I been famous. Yeah. I wonder if you would have been at prom <laughs> in high school or yeah, well, I, I never got to go to prom. I got stood up by this really hot girl. Like, she asked me out to prom, and then she, she can't. She asked you? Yeah. And then she canceled? Yeah. And then. What's her first name? Oh, you know what? She's a teacher at my old school. Um, she was a teacher? She is now. Oh. She's like a teacher now. <laughs> I was like, you're a teacher. <laughs> stood you up to prom. That, that's um, rough. What's her name? I don't remember her name. Yeah, I know we're sidetracking. we got to get the rubber duck on here in a second. But to close out that quick story. My, one of my best friends got kicked out of school like two weeks before the prom, and they wouldn't they, they weren't going to let him go to prom. So we dressed him up in drag, and we all took him out as our date. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then we got kicked out, and uh, good thing we had two kegs across the street at the beach. So we did good. <laughs> you guys. Should I? Qu- so we should go to break. Yes, we are gonna. Um, not do a promo break, but we're going to listen to some Grateful Dead. Yes. And then while you are listening to that, we are going to get Rubber Duck back on the air. Yes. Dakota. And uh, we'll go from there. And we're going to talk some... Uh, Space. Chinese, I guess, went to the planet Moon over the weekend. And uh, Hemp Talk. Hemp so. Talk. So it's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back in a few minutes. Peace. <laughs> Somewhere 
got Breaker 19. This here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Oh, uh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the full door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. It was the dark of the moon on the 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling logs. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling home. If I caught a gosh darn duck on this line, sir. Got down river duck here. I like it. that hammer down. <laughs> you guys, I live for the convoy song. Me too. When the chorus comes in right here. <laughs> oh, I think I think any good red-blooded Americans always had a fantasy of being a long-distance truck driver. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think so. I was gonna say. I mean, I can understand the dream of becoming a professional wrestler, but long you must be blue-blooded Americans then. <laughs> yeah. uh, we do live in Utah, sir. <laughs> oh, it's just a beautiful song. I don't know which one I like better. I still like uh, Mexican radio. I think better than I that. like Convoy. I jam out to this. <laughs> like I really get, I get dancing a little, and I can't even help it. It's, it's not even forced. Oh yeah, and, and they've got this. They've got this on the soundtrack to the new Grand Theft Auto, so you can listen to it while you fly a 747 into a building. It's just <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> She's tickled pink I'm over there. Pink. <laughs> so Dakota, have you ever heard of female serial killers? And do you think that they would be hot to date? Well, I mean, one of my favorite movies in high school was um, Natural Born Killers, and <laughs> I think uh, the the female role in that was probably would be very hot to date. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd, 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 I'd go to bed with her. We were just talking female serial killers, and it seems that Sasha holds your same opinion. <laughs> but see, I've had a real-life experience with a stalker. Yeah, you have. And, like, I used to wake up next to her, and her eyes would be wide open staring at me. Like, it was a creepy... That's flattering. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel like it might be flattering if it was, like, half-eye open, like... I just woke up and caught you sleeping. How tender. <laughs> Not like I drew you last night. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been lucky enough to have my own stalker. He's usually doing the stalking. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I start stalking people, less people will stalk me. That's how we started doing radio together, Dakota, is she was getting stalked. Like people were calling in and talking. <laughs> I was like, I'll bring the muscle in here. I'll bring we'll the bring ugly in. We'll bring a beard. In. We'll bring a beard on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some bear mace. Some bear mace. I still have it by my bed. I like it. Uh, did you hear about the rape <gasps> this past week on campus? Yes. Mm-hmm. Another sent one. Sent out that big uh, email alert. Thing. Oh, did they? Uh-huh. I didn't Is read this that. a different? I only heard of one. Just once this year so far. Yeah. This past this past they semester. They sent out a, an alert to all students just to inform everyone of like what the <coughs> suspect looks like, what he drove, what happened, just to warn everyone. They haven't caught him yet. Uh-uh. And it would suck to be a six foot, blonde haired white boy on campus right now because <laughs> everyone's looking out for you, sir. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't fit that description. Yeah, Sasha's clear. <laughs> Dakota's a toe thumb. Is that, is that what they call them, toe thumbs? What's a toe thumb? What do you call it? Blonde-haired babies, Dakota? Toe-head. Toe-head. Yeah, toe thumbs. Like Toe-thumbs. Toe There's Sasha <laughs> for you. Yeah. Big old toe-thumb. Dummy with a microphone. You know what was orangutan. Orangutan. You know what was weird, though, you guys, about that incident? And I kind of want to know what you think, because I wasn't sure what to think. It said that the man pulled up in his car, called the girl by name, mm-hmm. offered her a ride. She looked in. She got in. That seemed weird to me. Not that it's not that her getting in is her fault, but how did he know her name? Like, how did that all go down? If she didn't know him, or if she did know him, how do we not know who it is? Did, Must it, be a friend or a past lover. But how did they don't know brother? who it was? She doesn't know who he is. Well, then why did she go? I mean, my question get, is: you can get that kind of information off a student roster. Well, you know, exactly, like a, but why uh, would you like get a, in the car? Not that it's her fault, but like for future people out there, if you don't know them, don't get in the car. Is this cold outside? <laughs> yeah, my mother's been I telling mean, me that since I was four years old. I know. That's like, just the weird thing. Even if someone pulled don't up. Don't get in the car with strangers. Yeah. If someone basic. pulled up and knew my name and I looked in and still didn't know them, I'd be like, I don't know you. If I drove Sorry. by you and said, hey, Becca, come here, you wouldn't get in the car with me. Very safe, you guys. I'm very. Yeah, and she, and she knows you. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't even get in the car with people I do know. Bus drivers? Heck no. I've never ridden public transit. Snob. <laughs> Just kidding. It's all I take, you guys. I haven't driven a car in weeks. My car battery has been dead for three weeks. That's not a joke. Really? Yeah. Fix it. I'm going to, but I just keep forgetting. <laughs> I take buses everywhere. Have you had friends you knew, Dakota, that were raped, either male or female? Yes. Yes, I have. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's probably the most lowest form of life possible. In fact, just recently, a friend of mine who moved here from Silver City, moved to a, a larger town, was raped and is now pregnant. And wow. her family is very Christian, and um, she must carry forth with the pregnancy or she'll be disowned from the family. Um, there's, you know, that's a, it's a very real issue and very, very saddening to me that it's still behavior that not only goes on, but seems to go on fairly unpunished. I mean, yeah. you know, drug use in this country is more punished than, than sexual assault and sexual crimes. And I think that's Awful. really, really terrible. I agree. Do you have a lot of friends, Becca, that have been raped or Absolutely. molested? I know so many people. Almost every girl I've dated has been raped or molested. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's going away. Oh, no. They, uh, I'm doing field placement for psychology, mm-hmm. and I mean, I've met a lot of rape victims just through the private psychiatric place that I am interning at, but a lot of the students, if they can't find placement in the field like that, a lot of them are placed at the Rape Recovery Center where they do, they help up at the emergency room up at the hospital, and they also man the call-in mm-hmm. line. And we had to meet up and kind of discuss how our interns are, internships are going and things. And all the people who are at Rape Recovery said that in their training, they are taught that it's like continuing to get more and more busy, more and more demanding. Do you know anyone up there? Up at the Rape Recovery yeah. Center? I know like peers who are interning, just answering phones, but I don't actually Let's know. Let's see if we can get someone in OU radio. 
either from yeah. the Women's Center or from the Rape Recovery to uh, discuss this issue. I second this Oh, idea. absolutely. I mean, especially, I mean, what a rampant problem it is, especially at universities. It's, oh, yeah. it's amazing what the high rate of sexual assault and sexual abuse is just at those age groups between about, you know, 18 and 23, 24. I mean, it's it's incredibly sad that that demographic of our of our society and it continues on. I'm certainly not saying that that's worse the, the only problem. Yeah. But just the fact that our culture as a whole has such a rampant problem with sexual assault is is really troublesome. What's sad too is most I know a lot of a lot of people who've been sexually assaulted and whether they tried to um, bring the rapist to justice justice or not never none that i've heard of had success stories as far as getting justice served to that person but a lot of them that i know that i've known since i was like like 17 18 i know at least a handful of people who have been assaulted a second or third time since then completely unrelated like a completely different event either on campus or during travel or something and also not had success in bringing those people to justice. See, I, I was very promiscuous the first time I was in college. In high school, I was very promiscuous. It was a theme of my life. And, you know, I wasn't ever taken advantage of. And I, I certainly never physically took advantage of a woman. Yeah. But I do look back on those times like instead of building numbers, I should have been building friendships, right? Because I've met so many amazing girls, got to be with them physically, but I don't know them today. And I'd much rather be able to call this girl and say, hey, what's going on, than having the memory of being with her. Yeah. I think this country needs a lot of sexual education, even with film and media. Like, it bothers me about our nudity clauses in this city. I think that almost creates the hyperbole and the idea that rape is feasible because, you know, men are taught, oh, you can't look at a boob, you can't, you can't think about a woman like this, you can't talk to them, and then it boils over. You know, I, I wish they'd teach people how to date and how to sexually communicate in high school instead of, oh, here's a condom, get it done. Get it done. <laughs> so it's just something I saw in the paper, and I was like, not another one. Like, It seems like it, I know it. There was a professor, and I don't know the exact date, so I don't want to say, but it, it, it seems like it happens a lot throughout this country on campuses. Oh, yeah. Is there anything that we can do to, I mean, the campus is so big, you can't have cops everywhere, nor should cops be everywhere. Yeah. Even those little, they have those little towers with the blue light where if you're walking on campus yeah. at night back from class, you can see but them. But they're few and far But they're between. very, like, I don't know I don't know of anyone who happened to be standing close enough to one of those to actually have it benefit them if someone was stalking or assaulting them in the middle of campus. But I, I walk on campus at night and I see a lot of girls walking by themselves. One thing that scares me is you walking around here at night by yourself. But I know that you're strapped with two bear maces. <laughs> so you know <laughs> I get it, you know. <laughs> I'll I'll fend from it. No, but it is scary because and a lot of it is like what other option do we have? I mean, I leave, sometimes I'll be up here studying and you leave. And even if you drive to campus, the parking lots are exactly close to the buildings. You have to walk a little bit to get to them. So it's if you're in the library, 
is it awkward to just walk up to a random guy and say, hey, can you walk me to my car? Or is that even... It's awkward, but then it's scary because you're like, who are you? It's a stranger, yeah. There's no, like... I think it'd be interesting if they just had, like, volunteers who, like... In, like, red t-shirts or something. Places where where they stay open until, like, the library until 2. Where if you are a female or a male leaving alone, or even two of you, and you'd like one or two people to walk with you to your car... I think that would be an awesome idea because most of the incidences I've heard of or that I've personally been a part of were all in the evening on campus in shady little parking lots like up by the softball fields or where the parking lot is kind of hidden and you can easily get away with the things you do. Maybe we'll have to get Sam Ortiz back in here and see if we can... Pitch some ideas? Yes. (laughs) I got some. With that, we're going to break. Sure. When we get back, uh, Dakota is going to bring up uh, some space travel and some uh, hemp ideas and discussion. Maybe we'll start at the beginning. Olympic news update as well. Oh boy, do I need to get Bodie Miller crying for everyone or is that (laughs) a beat to the ground? The theme of NBC trying to bring up death of families for the American athletes is disgusting. I'd rather watch Costas with pink eye than hear about brothers dying. (laughs) Yes. Well... So we'll be back. We are going to go to break. We'll hear some promos, and then we will be right back. Thanks for listening to Old Ute Radio. Thank you for listening to KU Internet Radio, broadcasting online, streaming on Channel 99 in the dorms, on smartphones with the TuneIn Radio app, or you can tune in with the iPhone app. If you want to find out more about the station, visit our website at www.kuradio.org. I sing as good as I think I do. Hey guys. Keep singing there, buddy. Welcome back to Old U Radio. Everybody's Just singing a little the Panama Red. I'll steal your woman, then I'll rob you dead. It'll rob you dead. I don't think weed does that. I don't think you rob anyone dead. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Stoned. I'm not the authority. They're too lazy. You get tired and hungry. <laughs> Depends on if you're a sativa or indica kind of person. <laughs> Am I under the right presumption that new writers of the Purple Sage 
in their song Panama Red, which we're listening to now, uh, is specifically about the marijuana program of uh, mass producing marijuana, which we're going to be called Panama Reds. Is that correct? Um, no, actually, Panama Red was uh, red-haired uh, buds coming out of Panama and were very popular during the 60s, which is why Marlboro attempted to get the patent on that to introduce marijuana cigarettes. So Panama Red already being a, a marketable name brand amongst the alternative culture, it became a very obvious you know, uh, appropriation of that sign. So my next question is, do you go to a lot of pub trivia nights? <laughs> and do you own at them? <laughs> Because you should. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I've never been to um, a pub I, trivia. Oh, it's a lot of I fun. I feel like it'd be like, so fun, but I don't know anyone to go with. And so I don't want to like go and get on someone's team and then just suck that night. Well, and we have need them to get hate me. Ryan Bennett, Will Hatton, and Johnny McKean and go to geek let's, nights at the bar. Let's do it. Yeah. I'd be so down. Well, we'll bring you, Dakota, a, on a, Skype. There's a national... There's a national one uh, called Geeks That Drink. Yeah, yeah we have that here. And, um, and so it's cool because actually the bar, not only do you score in your table, but the bar gets a national score. And so, like, good players at the bar will actually come and it will raise the stats of the whole bar. What bars? Even, you know. I know they do it at the Huddle in really? Conwood Heights. I'm sure they do it downtown somewhere. Yeah, I've heard of it downtown before because I've had, like, Facebook event invites by people who mm -hmm. were for the, like called geeks who drink or something but i've never been to any of them and they have like a half a beer and a seven up and just dominate geekness geeks. oh it's it's brilliant <laughs> it's a lot of fun in fact i'm i'm really looking forward to my trip to denver next week because i'm going to get to go to trivia night hopefully one of the nights i'm there i hope you get incarcerated in the airport sir <sighs> boy you are such a sweetheart you know <laughs> Sorry. I hope you fall down and break your pretty little nose. Your pretty little mouth. <laughs> My hooked nose. Thank you. Is that what a hooked nose? What's a hooked nose? That's uh, a derogatory term for a Jew. Oh, rude. <laughs> well, it's also because their noses are shaped like a hook. It's not a derogatory term. You really do have a lot of Jews with noses that are shaped that yeah, way. Yeah, and my it's mom's a, Asian, and she has no nose bridge. She's very flat-faced. I kind of like the flat nose. Big fan. It's so cute. She tries to wear sunglasses, and they like she has to push them up like over here on between her eyebrows because they'll just slip. Why are you flipping me off? Oh. That's what, Unintentional. That's what happens when I wear pants. <laughs> oh, life is so weird. Hashtag life is weird. So hemp. Hashtag one-liners from Rubber Duck. I have a couple of little uh, bits of interesting random information I wanted to get out there. Um, I don't know how many <laughs> listeners out there are a fan of. We have the at game least one. His Candy name is Crush. Eric. Oh, I played it before. Can okay, Candy Crush Saga. All you listeners out there must delete this from your phone because the original inventor of the game, which was called Candy Swipe, who copyrighted it in 2010 as a memorial to his dead mother, Layla. Two years later, Candy Crush Saga put their app out and actually fought to remove his patent. And he currently can't even use the original name Candy Swipe because the massive application conglomerate stole his idea, copyrighted it, and is now profiting. This company, um, Candy Crush Saga, just went public as a tradable stock. So they completely 
took this creator out of the picture who spent three years generating the game, who marketed it himself, who put it out as, a, as, as his own passionate project in, in memorial of his mother, and um, Candy Crush Saga came through and completely obliterated all of his work and stole all of his profits. So I just deleted as it. A fan, just now. As a fan of the smaller man, let's be vigilant and keep each other informed about who deserves to get paid for their intellectual property because this, this gentleman does. I also read an article about Candy Crush patenting the word saga and forcing this new game coming out that just it has the word saga in it but it is literally nothing like candy crush it's like it's it's almost like a mario party type game with like quests and a map well, how, and things and they how basically can you the word saga exactly they basically quashed him out he can't he needs to think of a new name for his app because they refuse to allow him to have the word saga in his game and it's nothing like candy crush at all so Candy Crush is the big evil. That's two. That's two. The company's called King, I believe, the and they're evil. just yep, evil King. people. Yep, King.com. Boycott everything from the King. I think we should have learned that when we got rid of the Queen of England, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Why do you guys play games on your phones? I just had. I downloaded it because it was such a big deal, and so I was like, I'll just play it once and see how it is. Played it, like, a couple rounds. Didn't love it. Not my kind of game. So it's kind of just sat on my phone. Between podcasting, porn, and video games on your phone, there's no wonder no one talks to each other through phone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you get all mad at people when they call you because they interrupt your... Your uh, Candy Crush saga. Yeah. <laughs> I only... Well, I, mean, I mean, what else are you supposed to do when you're waiting in line? I mean, I love having <laughs> my phone because... If I'm at the bank, if I'm at the grocery store, you know, I can crush a few candies and, you know, let the crush time go by. <laughs> oh, man. I usually play Risk on my phone. Really? Is it good? Is it good? Oh, now Sasha's <laughs> going to download Risk. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a lot himself. better if I had more friends that played because I've been kicking the computer's butt for days. I'll get it. Let's all play together. I've never played Risk, but it sounds risky, and I like that. Oh, it's a it's a war game where you try oh, to conquer the yeah. world. Yes. Yeah. Global domination. Oh my gosh. I have the board game at my house. You know a game I really like. Oh yeah. You guys, that 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 big card game with like a map called Sequence. It's like old because only grandmas have it at their house, but I've played it at a grandma's house, and it's so fun. <laughs> I love board games. I do, too. I mean, as much as I love video games and everything else, like, I like games in general. Uh, you give me a game, I will most likely play it. Discovered I have a secret talent. Yeah. Over the last week. You know those little swipey games where, like, it's a picture and they jumble it up and it's in little squares and you have to swipe to get it in order? Do you know the game? No. Yep. Um, yeah, they used to, when I was a kid, they came out as an actual board. And then yeah, it was a little, and like. slide the tiles. Yeah. And now they have, like, an app for it, but it used to be those little square handheld, like, like this. Look. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. show them on the radio. <laughs> all the listeners out there. All the listeners. Like. <laughs> I downloaded an app for it because I remembered how much I used to like these little games. And the app is called Picture Slider. And I am so good at it. I can get the high scores like nothing. You guys, hmm. it's a secret little 
It's your talent. Rain man power I've got going <laughs> Your on. rain woman power. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, I wish they had like competitions up here because I'd walk in and bust them out. Look at Mitch is looking at us. Oh, there he is. I made him come Oh, he's not as tall as I thought he was. He's a little over six foot. Is he that tall? Yeah. Oh, do we have a visitor in studio? Should yeah. we bring him in? Yes, bring him do in. Do you want him in? Okay, yeah. you guys keep talking. Surprised guest. Play the surprised guest song. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Her boyfriend's surprised here. Surprised guest on old you. So we'll bring him in. It's Mr. Mitch. How are you, sir? Oh, yeah, grab a mic. We got one right here for you. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> You can't come and see your beautiful lady without getting on. I don't know if I'm prepared for this. <laughs> you are now. <laughs> He's prepared now on mic one. Mm -hmm. This is Mitch, you guys. Yes, we have Dakota on the interwaves here. Yep, on Skype, and we have Sasha. Hello, Mitch. Oh, we <laughs> should give them headphones, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh. Nice to meet you, Sasha. Nice to meet you. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Nice. How are you doing? Good. Come a little closer to the microphone there. There we go. So, Becca tells me you're an IT guy. Yes, that's correct. You do coding? Programmer. Ruby programmer. How'd you get into that? Ever since I was a kid, yeah. I've, uh, my mom used to sit with me on her lap, and I would, she would sit there and type, and I just kind of picked it up ever since. How are your eyes? Uh, <laughs> they're better than terrible. mine. Pretty bad. No. They're, they're better than mine, and he has to sit and look at a computer all day for, like, the last... 10 years mm -hmm. straight. Pretty close. Like hours and hours a day. And my eye, I don't get it. If I did that, I'd be blind by now. Yeah, I've taken several coding classes. And, <laughs> like, not only does coding drive me crazy because you have to really focus, mm. but my eyes, like, just go all over the place. Yeah, it's, uh, you have to be a little bit crazy, I think, <laughs> to want to program ever. Do you have a degree in coding? Did you go to the U? Did uh, you go somewhere? No schooling. I uh, some guy told me he would pay me four thousand dollars a month to uh, program when I was like sixteen to do a website to do PHP. <laughs> so we pretended he had like a team of people. Yeah. He pretended he was like, yeah, I got that, and then yeah. just learned as he went. Nice. Mm. <sighs> I could only be that good at something. We might have to recruit you for an old Ute radio. Uh, I know. Website. Here. I've been thinking about like badgering him to do <laughs> it for a while now. Becca says she wants to learn, though, so... I'm going to when nice. I graduate. She could cut her teeth on the uh, KU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's a gem. It's real nice. So you just flew in from uh, St. George? Yep. Did some work. What kind of business do you do down there? Just uh, building, like, oh, I want you to build this website. Here's templates I want. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're meeting with some uh, investors, possible investors for right. our company. Tim so. and my dad yeah. started a company. A couple of years oh, ago. Oh, so you're marrying into the family. <laughs> I like it. Yep, yep. Good work. <laughs> so what type of business is this? Uh, we do uh, logistics and tracking for the oil field industry. Mm, Hypercapitalism. So, Blood so money. exciting. Dinosaur well, money. You know, it, it, it doesn't just work for the oil and gas industry, but that's kind of where we found our niche. So mm -hmm. we're just kind of trying to get into Branching there. We've got some out. schools and colleges and stuff interested in what we're doing. So... We're trying to branch out in multiple different areas. So this is something you want to do for the rest of your life? You want this to be a career? Uh, He's not trying really. to be done. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I can not program, I'm mm -hmm. like, that's, that's my end goal. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. I like it. Hopefully it takes <laughs> off. I have to root for him because I'm rooting for my dad, too. So. <laughs> that's true. He knows he's got a supporter. Otherwise, she'd be like trying to. I'd be out. I'd be like, 
Seriously, more programming all day. So where'd you meet Becca? I was uh, 19, <laughs> and I was meeting her dad for like one of the first times, and in I walked the in, yeah, into this uh, in this office that uh, he was helping at, and uh, she was. They like, used to pay me like a little kid. I was 14 slash almost 15, and they would pay me like 25 bucks to come in and vacuum the office and like almost clean it. So Jeez. I was vacuuming. That's good money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I would just go in for like a half hour and vacuum stuff up, and they'd be like, here's 25 bucks, and I would think it was great. So your boss lets you date his daughter. Uh, I don't you must know have Christmas. Well, they're partners. <laughs> so that's why it's okay. Wow. It's, yeah, it, it can get tricky, but. Yeah, you really have to be well-behaved, like, all the time. It gets so annoying, because I, they're my parents, so they'll be on a business call, and I'll be like, hey, mom, by the way, and he'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're like, have, and I'm like, it's my parents, come on. You could, I'm sure I get frustrated. She's keeping it. She's just keeping keeping it, it fresh. Yeah, keeping it fresh. <laughs> keeping it exciting. So you do you worry about working in the oil business long um, term? Well, that's that's kind of one of the reasons why we've we've tried to keep our application as a uh, broad, as, yeah, configurable and kind of uh, uh, yeah. We have a broad user base, so it's pretty uh, flexible. We don't really have to. Uh, stay in the oil and gas industry that's one good thing is that we feel like we've, we're pretty resilient when it comes to our uh, demographics and where we can because uh, one of the things that we're going to incorporate here tonight on this last hour of show is hemp and how america has rediscovered hemp mm -hmm. you know, they got hemp farms in colorado there's other ones sprouting out and from my understanding is that one of the big reasons why hemp and marijuana was made illegal was because of the onset of plastic and DuPont technologies, which are oil-based products. Yeah, yeah, I've, he I've heard that it was in direct competition with cotton mm -hmm. as well, that so too? that's why they, I mean, they started drawing up laws. It's not like a, a new thing to draw up laws to uh, try to make a competing technology or product illegal. Do you, do you ever have ideas of, oh, I shouldn't be working with such a toxic company or companies that work against with toxicity toxic toxicity <laughs> who bring war who kind of help the industrial complex uh you know i i have some reservations about it i mean i'd like to see our products do people good but that's that's really what we're doing is you know we're you've got these these guys out there they have no other way to make a living mm -hmm. you know and they uh, they're managing everything through paper and it's just it's a nightmare bad. so we go in and we make it a lot easier and we give i mean we we work with a lot of native american tribes and they uh um, they have producers stealing oil off their land all the time. So we kind of we kind of try to equalize it. So we let them track everything, all of their data, and kind of give them a, a, a better way to uh, manage everything. So they end up, it ends up making our clients a lot of, or a decent amount we of money. With, and you work with Ute tribes too up here in Utah mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, so we're as trying As well as like North Dakota and different yeah. oil companies in Texas and things. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, what are you going to do, you know? Yes. <laughs> Dakota, do you have a, the definitive policy of why hemp was made illegal in this country? Because I've always thought it had to do with DuPont and plastic coming in. Mitch says, you know, cotton had to do with it. There's a there's a lot of arguments, um, and, and they come from many different ways. I mean, one of the classic ones is DuPont is they wanted the uh, they wanted the rope contracts for the U.S. Navy. And when they had come up with nylon, nylon was a much lighter material that doesn't get waterlogged, although it's not as strong as hemp. The big ropes used for naval ships being made out of hemp, once they got wet, could weigh 
hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So the actual uh, physical labor in, in moving them around was high. But then you also have the, you know, not just DuPont, but oil. Um, you know, there's a, there's a quote that I pulled up from Henry Ford in 1925. And he says, um, there's enough alcohol in a year's yield of an acre of potatoes to drive the machinery necessary to cultivate the fields for a hundred years. So in 1925, Henry Ford himself was so confident in ethyl alcohol from from bio plant matter, such as potatoes, such as um, hemp, and other things at the time, that that they were convinced that hemp was going to be a product that would last us through the millennium. So uh, I even found uh, in 1941, uh, Henry Ford released a car that was actually, the body panels were made out of hemp polymers. And there's video footage of um, them testing this vehicle and actually hitting the body panels with a sledgehammer and it's bouncing off. You're guiding no denting, you're getting no wear to the actual vehicle. So as far away as 1941, the automotive industry was leaning towards using hemp as a major source of not only their polymers for their body panels, but also as a fuel for the vehicles. You know, and this was this was after the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, which essentially made it uh, impossible to produce um, hemp as it was lumped in with with marijuana. So. And then there's there's some arguments that say that there's a lot of the reason that hemp was put down was because of cotton's growth and the cotton gin and how easy it was to use the cotton gin to harvest the cotton. But currently, as of today, as of this date, 2014, 50% uh, of the chemicals used worldwide as pesticides are used on cotton. So you also have support of pesticide companies promoting, you know, hemp being pushed under the rug. So... Uh, a lot of it had to do with because hemp is such a multifaceted and multi-use uh, plant that many different private interests got together in order to push it down. So it's hard to really point the finger in one place or another. Well, I did, I did uh, come across something very interesting about, um, you know, hemp has long been known to not require much fertilizer and it actually replenishes the soil of nitrogen and nitrogen is one of the big necessities in, in large agribusiness is nitrogen fixing, nitrogen fertilizers and things like that. Well, it turns out that on top of not only fixing nitrogen to the soil is that it also will deal with radioactive material. And despite very narrowly reported, um, since April of 1986, after the Chernobyl reactor four went nuclear, they planted hemp fields all around it and are actually decreasing the radiation in the soil through allowing successive hemp cultures to regrow and re-energize that soil. So, you know, not only is the plant itself useful, but the process of that plant is capable of even dealing with things as toxic as nuclear waste, which I thought was incredibly fascinating. So it's in February 7th of this year, they say that President Obama has signed the Farm Bill, which contains an amendment to legalize hemp production for research purposes. Uh, I find that very intriguing. How can you have hemp and not have marijuana? There's a very, there's a very s distinct difference between industrial hemp and marijuana. 
and it's at the very genetic level. Interestingly enough, if you were to plant industrial hemp in the same field as recreational marijuana and allow those uh, plants to germinate and go to seed, the industrial hemp's genetics are so strong that it will bring down the THC content of recreational marijuana. So it's, a, it's an ideal crop to get away from the illusion that hemp is somehow tied with marijuana and psychoactive chemicals because it will physically remove the THC from any or minimalize the THC through multiple generations of what's around it. So it's um, it's very interesting that you know, Obama's gone to to experimental since you know we've been growing hemp on this planet for five thousand years. I mean, China's been cultivating hemp five thousand years ago. There's some records that even show uh, indigenous tribes as old as fifteen thousand years ago with hemp seeds in storage. So the fact that uh, the American Farm Bill is going to do experimentation is pretty ridiculous since. You know, our, our Constitution was written on hemp paper. Our original flag was on hemp canvas. The word canvas itself comes from cannabis because canvas was used in sails for boats and was the strongest material to make sails. So the word canvas itself comes from this, this plant extract that we've been using for, for, for such a long time that, you know, for the government now to say we need to do some experimentation on it is really infantile. If we actually look at you know the, the thousands of years of research and, and progress and success of this particular crop, so part of the farm bill is to define industrial hemp so that it is not in the Controlled Substance Act. Bye, guys. Becca and Mitchell leaving. Thank you so much for stopping by. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure to meet we'll you, see you, sir. Next Absolutely. week, and excited to hear the rest of the show. Yes. So there's 13 states in this legislative session, the 2014 that are trying to get industrial hemp legislation going. They include Arizona, Hawaii, Indiana, Mississippi, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Washington, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Uh, seems like the West is missing from there. Did it, it went legal in Colorado this year, didn't it, sir, or last year? Uh, yes, this year. As of January okay. 1st, uh, recreational was, went legal in Colorado. President Obama went and visited hemp farms in Colorado, correct? Uh, I'm not clear on that. I don't really know. And I'm actually not even very confident that they have any industrial-level hemp farms happening in Colorado as of yet. But that that's just because I don't know. I can't confirm it. Is there cross-pollination worries with uh, marijuana spreading their you know, their pollens out in the air and then these hemp seeds, you know, getting pregnant from them and developing marijuana. Well, as I was saying earlier, um, the unique properties of industrial hemp is that the, the THC content is extremely low as well as when it does go to seed, it doesn't increase its uh, THC through, uh, you know, uh, mutation with, with other plants. It'll actually bring that level down and you know I mean there was there was a saying my my father used to use whenever you went across the Midwest back in the 60s is they had what's called ditch weed and it literally hemp seeds that even though it's no longer farmed in that area legally the plant is so resilient that it grows along the highways and ditches and you know as a 
as a hippie in the 60s, you could pick up this, you know, ditch weed, and you couldn't smoke it because it didn't give you any kind of, you know, change. It was just um, remnants of the industrial hemp movement in, in the early 20s and 30s. Well, I mean, even earlier than that, but up until the 30s in the United States, when hemp was grown almost, I mean, you were actually, there was a certain time in the United States where you could receive um, fines and penalties for not growing a certain amount of the percentage of the land you owned in hemp. It was required as a farmer to grow a certain percentage of your fields with, with hemp seeds, and, and that, that was you know, eradicated uh, around 1937. Do you think that the want to have hemp back in this country is because of deforestation, because of global warming, and just trying to cut down on the chemical manufacturings of plastics and such? Unfortunately, that's the necessity. Like I feel, I feel like, and when you look at the, the research, this is information that we knew uh, back in the 20s that, you know, that we can, we can get the same amount of fibrous material for paper um, in one quarter of the amount of space that we can grow trees on. We can get this, we can get much more plastic. We can, you, you know, um, in 1935, Sherwin-Williams paints, because they used the hemp seed oil in paints, imported 58,000 tons of hemp seeds. Uh, it, it's it's incredible for use of shellac for for varnishes, um, and it cuts out a huge amount of the chemical industry, and, and uses a natural product. So it is unfortunate that currently we are running up against those uh, resource problems, but it, it's something that could have been very easily managed, you know, 60, 80 years ago. So it's very surprising that, you know, with all the movement towards biodiesel, towards, you know, helping the ozone layer uh, and, you know, the, the need for fresh oxygen, uh, you know, hemp, hemp, can, hemp, hemp can, can consume four times the amount of CO2 as, as an acre of trees can. You know, there, there's many, many, many countless ways that, that this is such a viable useful crop that it's it's almost criminal that it's been so long that it's been scheduled as a drug because the the drug form of cannabis is very very vastly different than the industrial form of cannabis as hemp does cannabis the people that support the legalization or the decriminalization of marijuana does hemp becoming prominent in this country help their argument or are they two separate cases I really I really think they're very separate cases uh, it's been surprising to me how little this conversation has come up around the legalization of recreational marijuana it seems like we've focused on the uh, you know recreational element of the flowers of this particular plant and we're not focusing on the vast majority of positive benefits that the rest of the plant possesses so I haven't seen a huge support from the pro recreational marijuana movement in conjunction with the pro hemp movement I, I don't think those two have gotten together yet. I'm looking on Google as we speak and I typed in hemp and Monsanto and it seems like you know the giant corporation called Monsanto has entered into not only the hemp field, but medical marijuana as well. 
is there a fear of marijuana becoming uh you know a fake plant or a controlled plant by these giant farming corporations i don't like monsanto being involved in hemp well, absolutely. And, and the problem with companies like Monsanto is that they go to a level where they are patenting genetics. And once you begin patenting genetics, you run into some very troublesome issues. Uh, there have been you know, reports, I don't know who all's, I've heard these reports many different times, of farmers who are actually having their fields seized from them because they grow adjacent to Monsanto fields and the pollens blow into their fields and mutate the genetics of their next crop and those crops are essentially owned by Monsanto and can be seized so there is a large problem in my mind of these genetically modified um, organisms and genetically modification companies that are moving into uh, our food production our textile production and our farming industry in general and there's a, there's a number of countries around the world who have signed on to ban Monsanto and genetically modified products. About three, Our country is certainly not one of them. About three or four years ago, in the state of Utah, in the city of Salt Lake City, there was a bill that was going through legislation. It was tabled or terminated very quickly, but they were trying to ban co-op farms and neighborhood farms because... It actually happens a lot throughout Sugar House and other parts of Salt Lake where, you know, neighbors farm together for their vegetables and such. And a company like Monsanto is trying to get rid of it, saying that, you know, people don't have the right to grow food because it's a national security risk. You know, not so much that the people are a national security risk, but what happens if their farms get, uh, you know, infected and they carry over? I'm really tired of these corporations getting involved in our farming and our food. It's it just, I don't understand where it comes from, where, the, where a human being can think that, oh, I'm going to create a Monsanto genome that, that has a, a poison in it to kill itself. It baffles my mind because there's nothing on this planet that's taught to kill itself, right? It's something that, you know, hits the human being or human beings are allowed to, but very few other organisms on this earth are designed to kill themselves. Yet we allow these corporations to create products that kill themselves. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Monsanto argument and, and the genetically modification argument is really, really important to be discussed. And a lot of people need to be getting more involved in this. The fact that Monsanto can claim that it's a national security risk for people to be growing their own food is at the very heart of, I think, what's become wrong with this culture and this society's relationship to business, economics, and its own health and survival. You know, there was a time in, in this country where you only could survive off of what it is you could grow. And that's what part of made our country strong. And, and made people uh, individuals that knew how to work with the land and be successful with the tools and resources that they had. The fact that we're being convinced now by large corporations that they're protecting our national security by disallowing us to produce the means necessary for our own survival is completely opposite uh, how I would feel that we should be heading as a country, as a nation, or even as a world. It's, it's, it's appalling to me. 
that there could even be posited an argument from a rationally thinking individual that they are protecting my rights to survive by not having me eat a random slug that might be in my garden. Yeah, it's staggering. And then we weigh that against how many people die of, of, of poisoning from bagged lettuce, from, from foods that have passed FDA inspections and have gone into supermarkets. And the number of poisonings from vegetables has gone up increasingly over the last number of years. And most of that has to do with prepackaged vegetables that are, that are separated and sorted, like these boxes of, of, of baby, baby spinach, you know, and things like this. These are killing people left and right. How many people around the country are dying from the peas they added to their garden or the tomatoes that they harvested out of their backyard? The numbers are not even in comparison. One of the issues is America doesn't understand the old techniques of farming. I know that the, you know, in the Jewish world and the Middle Eastern world, by law, every seven years you have to let a farm piece of farmland uh, sit neutral for an entire year, so that it can rebuild itself, and you can't grow the same crop over and over and over again. And we don't do that in this country. That we we do a lot of good with our farm land in terms of feeding an exorbitant number of people throughout the world, but a lot of it comes from corn. I worry that hemp in this country is not going to be done right. I think hemp is such an important thing. I mean, we can brush our teeth with it, we can wash our hair with it, we can make soap out of it, we can make clothing out of it. As you said, we can make car parts out of it, we can make writing paper out of it, and flags, and everything else. And I and protein as the second highest protein source yes. other than soybeans and has the highest source of monounsaturated fats, the good fats. 81% of hemp oil is monounsaturated fat, which is perfectly healthy, usable fat content and protein content. I mean, it, it, it solves so many of our resource management problems that it is, it's, it's, and it's amazing from, that we're still arguing about it. From my sophomoricism, I've understood that soy has been linked to cancer in certain cases, as where, from what I understand, is uh, hemp protein and hemp oils don't have a r risk to cancer. Um, I, I can't verify that or anything like that, but that's kind of what I've read and understood, is that for humans to get away from soy-based products would be a good thing. Well, there's also something else in, in soy, um, and it's almost like a synthetic estrogen. And th that's part of what's been linked to the cancers is that the cancers tend to happen a lot more in males. And the possibility is this, uh, it's not a synthetic estrogen, it's, a, it's synonymous to estrogen. It acts similar in the body, but can cause you know, some serious uh, malfunctions when consumed at very high quantities. Now, hemp, on the other hand, I think, unfortunately, we don't have enough research on. You know, it may be the case that we might run into those kinds of problems in the future, but there hasn't been enough time where hemp has been an available food source uh, on the market and studied. But, you know, the initial studies seem to lead in the opposite direction, that, you know, we're having success in, in you know, medical marijuana uh, fighting cancer cells and eradicating cancer cells. So. You know, there's a lot more evidence towards cannabinoids effect in a positive light than, than there has been in a negative light. So why now? Why have legalization of hemp? Why have medical marijuana? Is it just that, is it the 
politicians that are sick and tired of not being able to get stoned or that haven't been able to monopolize off of hemp and that America is looking for a new uh, industrial boom or a cash crop, that there has to be something. It can't just be a Democratic president or a black president that's creating this. There has to be a reason for these booms coming. Well, I, I, I hope in my heart of hearts that part of it has to do with, you know, the continued movement by a lot of educated individuals in the under cultures or in the subcultures who have been pushing for this kind of growth and change for a number of years. I mean, this certainly isn't a new fight, certainly isn't a new discussion. The fact that it's finally coming to a head and finally reaching uh, popular opinion and becoming part of the national conversation, uh, I would like to credit towards you know grassroots movements, towards individuals participating in, in the function of their society and their government. Now, whether or not that's completely true would be hard to verify, but regardless, we're coming up at a time in this country where our you know our reliance on foreign sources of energy, our our level of pollution, our need to be uh, self-sufficient as a country are all coming into the public sphere uh, of discussion. And you know, hemp was a solution for us back in the 20s, back in the back in the late 1800s, was something that helped us get uh, free from the European trade routes. And th there's even stories of Thomas Jefferson smuggling hemp seeds through the United Kingdom to get them to the United States to to begin some of the the cultivation that 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 began uh, early on in in our country's history. So. This is this is a tool that's been used in this country for 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 hundreds of years successfully as a crop to create some independence and the fact that we're looking back again to generate our own financial independence I hope is a step in the right direction but on the same hand this isn't our own independence I mean this is a worldwide issue I think that the the Americanism and the patriotism doesn't even come into into play but if we started turning the uh, opium fields in Afghanistan into hemp fields if we started turning the the sugarcane fields in Africa into hemp fields if we if we started using our, our crop lands successfully around the world for a much more versatile crop this is something which can benefit every country and not and not the egocentric American economic model. If I were a betting man, I would say that most forms of tobacco will be illegal in this country in the next 20 years. I would also bet that most forms of marijuana will be legal in America in 20 years. With that, you have these powerful companies like R.J. Reynolds possibly being left out of the dust, as well as these other oil companies with new technologies soon won't be able to compete with the new technologies. Will these companies be able to take direct ownership? Like, will we have uh, Marlboro Greens or Panama Reds by Marlboro? Not so much because they're the new innovators, but because they're from the old school and don't want to be buried as a, as a prolific company. Do you think they just move in on the marijuana crops and the hemp crops because they have all the technology from tobacco or is American allow upstart companies to take over these big companies? I am sure that any major company who has economic availability is going to do everything in its power to get involved in whatever new agro business or whatever new marketable 
crops and models are there. I mean, there was reports a couple weeks ago about the Marlboro M's, which were supposed to be a marijuana cigarette, just like the rumors back in the 80s of them working on the Panama Reds. Uh, those rumors turned out to be false, that currently there is no information linking uh, Philip Morris, R.J. Reynolds, and major tobacco companies to having much of vested interest in uh, recreational marijuana, but on that same hand, they are a company who is in the business of smokable products that people use for recreation, and there would be no reason why, if this model continues to be successful, that an evolving businessman wouldn't try and include the harvest production and sale and distribution. Since Marlboro already has a brand recognition, they have distribution, um, I, I wouldn't doubt their eventual involvement in recreational marijuana. On the same hand, I think the same thing kind of happened with beer. You know, People drink Budweiser all over the country, but in almost every small town in America, you can go to a brewery and you can get a beer which is of higher quality, of higher alcohol content, and is locally crafted. So I do believe that even if the major corporations get involved in producing a, a normalized product, there is still going to be the consumer market to support small farmers and local products. So we have about five minutes here before we've got a new show coming in. You want to stay on this topic or you want to tell me about a Chinese going to the moon? Oh, let's, let's get into that real quick since right. we did start this section of the show off with uh, Standing on the Moon by the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a question as if anybody's ever stood on the moon, quite honestly, but... I have. <laughs> that's, that's good. How was it? <laughs> Fantastic. I was dead pressing 500 pounds, 600 pounds squats. I was in good shape up there. There you go. You went to the moon to work out. That's, that's good. That's good. Well, it does, it does turn out, actually, that the, uh, when the Chinese landed their uh, rover called the U-2... Uh, or Jade Rabbit in English, uh, with the Shanjay Lander, which is also the moon goddess. So the moon goddess landed on the moon with the Jade Rabbit, and the, the Jade Rabbit is actually in, in Chinese mythology. In yes. Chinese mythology, the Jade Rabbit is the pet of the moon goddess who lives on the moon. So uh, the Jade Rabbit landed on December 14th, which was exactly through the day 41 years after we landed on the moon with Apollo 17. Probably planned by China, who knows, maybe it was coincidence that they landed on the same day. They've been having problems with the lander ever since it got there. It shut down uh, the first day, it took a few pictures and then shut down, and on the moon, nighttime is 336 hours long, and it drops down to negative 292 degrees Fahrenheit. So when it came back around the other side and today, the robot had a hard time turning back on. So there's some theory that it may be the, um, the batteries are having a hard time or it's not being charged, but there was an amateur radio operator, a ham radio operator uh, here in the United States, which was able to ping off of the uh, Jade Rabbit two days ago. So an American amateur ham radio operator has been getting a signal bouncing back from there, even though China um, can't get it up and running. 
in China, in true China fashion, I found this quote, and I just want to read it because I think it is hilarious. It says, reports of the death of China's first moon, moon rover, Yota, have been greatly exaggerated, according to the country's state-run media. <laughs> so, <laughs> according to the entire country and their media outlet, they're saying that this isn't necessarily the case. So, when you have a state-run media, you don't get too much information, and they're not releasing a lot of information right now. They're saying that um, the Jade Rabbit is possibly going to be able to complete its one-year mission, and they are planning on uh, being able to launch it back, which will be unique um, if they can use their lander to bring the Jade Rabbit back into orbit. Um, but that will be over the next year. And they may send another shuttle up there to try and land a capable machine to blast it back off. It's weird that it's been 50 years without any human being walking on the moon or standing on the moon. It, I have a lot of suspicions well, about whether or not humans have stood on the moon. Yeah, no one has done it other than us. I mean, the Russians landed their first shuttle on the moon in 1970, and collected the first core samples, but um, since 1976, when Russia's Luna 24 landed there, there have been no other missions to the moon, and that's very surprising. Uh, some some of the research that I've read says that the uh, the dust on the moon is significantly lighter than the dust on Mars, which is why we've seen such success with our Mars rover projects, and why we've had such a difficult time with. Um, landing on the moon again but um you know these are all these are all speculations because it's very difficult to say what really happened back in 1976 back in 1970 back in 1972 with the apollo landing there wasn't a lot of private individuals who were able to look at these things i mean currently right now with with an appropriate telescope you can look at the moon and see the location of where the mars uh rover is or excuse me the moon rover the jade rabbit from china but that wasn't available in 1972. So the, the possibility of manipulation of, of information is still up there. I mean, we even have George Bush quoted uh, not, not more than in four or five years ago saying that we wouldn't be able to make it to the moon until 2016, which to me is, is, is crazy. I mean, we're, we're in a technological revolution here on this planet and in this country, and we can't repeat a feat we did back in the 1970s. That, that seems to me very, very suspect. Well, I know that we can't continue this conversation anymore. Our time with KU Internet <laughs> Radio has eviscerated, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. I thank you very much, and I, of course, thank you listeners. Um, you can always uh, reach me at Mr. Underscore Bloom on Twitter. You can get Dakota at DACForce on Twitter. You can find him on Facebook. You can find us at Old Ute Radio on Facebook. And, of course, support KU Internet Radio on Facebook and Twitter. For all you students listening, on Friday the 21st at 9 o'clock, go to Linko Building, room number 1100, and help the student media figure out how we can save the Chronicle and continue building KU uh, Internet Radio. So with that, I thank you, sir. And uh, I'd, I'd like to continue. I'd like to end with a nice little quote from Nietzsche. Sure. And uh, Nietzsche from Human All Too Human has said, Error has made animals into man. Is truth perhaps capable of making man into animals again? 
We can all so be animals out there, all you truth seekers. Humanism is for the birds. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Good night. I feel a hot wind on my shoulder And the touch of the world that is older I turn the switch and check the number I leave it on when in bed I slumber I hear the rhythms of the music By the product that never uses I hear the talking of the DJ Just a little.